do we does everything do we look do we hair look hair hair and makeup <laughs> check good my first. hair in front <laughs> best okay ish <laughs> That's okay is are you sure my hair my hair feels <laughs> weird hang on um we should keep this part in <laughs> having my husband right. check our <laughs> our on camera oh, oh look we're gonna have matching little is this good hair uh, for those only listening, Luke is currently <laughs> fixing my hair and checking gas. Please feel free to modify. <laughs> <laughs> okay, thanks, honey. <clears throat> Cookie, who would you? Where would you like to go, sweetheart? Would you want to come sit by Mama or Cass? Where would you like to go, sweet mm. pea? She's a little sad because oh. Luke and I are flying out today. She might want to. Oh, okay, there we go. It's in between us, she'll be with with Doctor Cass. Hi, girl. Oh, ha! It's nice to have girl time up here in the lot yes, this morning. Thank you for coming time. over. Thanks for having me over. Oh my goodness! <laughs> yeah, she came floating in this morning. I was sitting by our front door doing a animal power card pull, and heard a gentle tap at the front door. I say, "Come in!" And there—I don't know. There was just like a whole thing that happened. She like floated in through the front door with her long red hair and her green top and sparkling eyes. I was like, wow. Good morning. Such a vision to begin this day with. And speaking of beginnings, I felt like there's so many places where we could start our conversation, but I thought I would start with the most present thing and give you a little update. Remember when you were here just a few days ago <laughs> to hang out and you at one point said, I'm hearing lavender. I just, I don't, I'm not supposed to know anything else. Yes. But you just were picking up on a lavender message. Yes. And the, it revealed today. Yes. Yes. And I was debating because how it revealed is, I mean, it's really a powerful place in my life. And I'm not going to give all the details yet, mm. but for the Soul Fam joining us, Ooh, this past week, oh, I feel it easier. even as I'm saying it, my palms got um, sweaty, was the deepest initiation of my mm. life. Yeah. It was, mm. oh, gosh, I keep feeling the waves of it still. It's still very, yeah, it's still present because it's only been a week, but of course, Dr. Cass, we had already scheduled for her to come over just for us to hang out. Mm -hmm. And then when I saw how it was lining up, the initiation began on Thursday night. And then we were hanging out Friday. I was like, she's going to walk into this intense <laughs> place that I'm at in life. And then, yeah, when we were hanging out that next day and I was sharing the details, I, I, at some point I will share with you all just not ready quite yet to get in there fully. But when I was telling Cass everything and she got this lavender message, we just took in the message and then went about our time. And then fast forward to today, and we're recording this in the Equinox window. That's right. And I got the hit yesterday that before Luke and I fly out today, I need to do a honoring release of maiden oh yes and an opening into mama and as i was going out to our fire pit this morning i had written a really beautiful just like 
disrespectful and yeah, just heartfelt message to my maiden self. Mm-hmm. And I wrote it down so that I could then release with honor with sacred grandfire today and really further open up that crossing of the threshold into the motherhood part of my life. And as I was walking outside, I was like, I feel like something else is supposed to be a part of this rite of passage. And it was the lavender. So I brought lavender out. And as I was burning that piece of paper and working with fire and great spirit, of course, and earth mother, Mm -hmm. and just doing this really potent honoring of rite of passage, it was lavender. That was the one other element that wanted to be a part of that blessing this morning. Beautiful. Yeah, so I wanted to let you know. Thank you. Oh my gosh. What a time, huh? What a time in life. Such a time. It's like time speeds up and slows down, but right now it feels like it's going really fast again. Mm -hmm. So much happening so fast. Yeah. Is there anything, maybe you haven't tuned into it yet, but in this equinox time, is there anything that you're feeling called to release to further open into something else? Mm. Yeah, in a way, it kind of almost seems upside down than that. But yeah, in the work that I'm doing in workshops and retreats and groups, it had been about expanding the reach and thinking bigger all the time. I'm trying to remember if we talked about this a few days ago or not. Well, they haven't heard it, so say it again. (laughs) Um, But the lesson has really been kind of the opposite, but about really deepening my roots and intention with less people, but in a more deeper, profound, connective, mycelial, rhizomic way. And so, yeah, it is a release and a letting go. And it's interesting because we're in, being in the Northern Hemisphere, this autumn equinox is really about harvest time. But I really feel like it's more like root vegetable, like rooting time for me, like really deepening with our smaller intimate circles in really profound ways. Yeah, that's happening. And it is. And not even really by choice. Like events are happening that are just causing us to do this now. <laughs> I love that. I feel like it's also so many things flooded in just in that part you were saying. I was like being flashed with trillion things. And even with me, like in dealing with like family roots and Mm -hmm. yeah, for me, it's been more of the rooting for sure as well. And just in a peripheral realization as I was listening to you too, I also like that it also goes against a bit the old paradigm stuff of just all those conditions of in order for it to be like a great or quote unquote successful gathering that's supposed to be sold out in tons of people. Right. That's not true. No. And sometimes it can be more superficial because there's just too, too many, too much. It can be more intimate and smaller. And I know for me personally, I've really kind of accepted and reframed and I'm finding the beauty and being both an introvert and an HSP, a highly sensitive person and and finding other people that are the same and helping them feel welcome and included and creating safe spaces for that. And that at least right now necessitates fewer people. So there's less noise, Mm -hmm. kind of light pollution, sound pollution, chaos, people who are constantly thinking out loud within their experience becomes everyone's experience rather than practicing silence and a pause and contemplation and listening and hearing. 
Mm. Listening yeah. is, oh my gosh, oof, that's another one. I'm really feeling things so deeply. Talk about being high, HSP. <laughs> <laughs> I'm totes HSP. This is why we're friends and we can see this in each other and, so and love sensey. each other for it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and yeah, mm -hmm. it's, yeah, there's a, a different texture of honoring or when you can see that in someone else. And, and it's a gift, really. Oh, so much. Yeah. Yeah, it can and I, seem like oh, it, it, we're we're too much or too sensitive, but it also attunes us to so many subtle realms where we're seeing everything all at once. Oh my! And gosh. It just takes a lot of process because we're really like hearing and seeing and smelling and tasting and the textures and like it's everything. But it's such a gift. It's such a gift, and like it, yeah, it's potentially my biggest because and it's taken me also the longest to learn speaking of attunement is i'm attuning to the subtlest mm. the subtlest of threads and particles and pieces of people and places and realms i mean the things that are just the tiniest and tucked back in there where i'm not trying to say that i'm better than when i say this but i just i'm aware that this is probably my strongest gift and i can see and feel things that 99.99999% of the population has no clue is existing. Yet for me, I'm very aware mm. that that succubus entity is trailing that person or aware of like just the subtlest nuances mm. that even that person isn't picking up on. And so it's taken me a long time to fully integrate with this magnitude of being so sensitive, right? Yeah. And then we can create environments for ourselves, which you and I both have kind of done by creating a life where we can largely live and work from home. So we have, it's not about the need for control, but in order for us to thrive and be as the highest version of ourselves, where we have some control over our environment, like beautiful lighting mm. and beautiful plants and beautiful incense and yeah. sweet pets and and then create, yeah, it's basically setting yourself up for success. And it's just a different paradigm than the concrete, you could say, world exists in. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I found I've gotten a bit more introverted as time goes on. And then the other thing that I wanted to speak to is the listening part that you brought mm -hmm. up. Because, oh my gosh, I was thinking the other day, just through this very potent rite of passage, mm -hmm. just giving, and I'll give thanks again to... I don't know for sure who it was that spoke to me on that Thursday, whether it was God. I've been working also with goddess Lalita Tripura Sundari, and I want to give an honoring shout out to her too for mm. making her presence known in my life right now. Some benevolent being spoke so clearly to me last Thursday and gave me a verbatim message. And my thanks is... I guess one to me that I'm at this place where I allow myself to listen so clearly and astutely, but thank you for giving me these messages because I don't know how I would be able to function, how I worked my way through that most intense initiation with so much grace because I had that clarity mm -hmm. from the listening. I knew what I needed to do. I knew the space I needed to hold. I knew the line I needed to hold. Mm. I knew what had to happen. And that's a main part of what allowed me to carry through that fire with grace was the messaging mm. and listening. Yeah. How do people... You've cultivated this stillness where you will be able to hear. And you still needed that space to grieve this impossible situation that you were put in 
but yes, grace is the perfect word, but, but cultivating the stillness and the skills to listen, to hear. And it gives me so much compassion too, because I don't know how the, the folks out there that haven't devoted to whatever practice that will bring this into themselves and their lives as well, because yeah. that's my saving grace is mm -hmm. like, I know the message and I know what I need to do. Yeah. So even through the most challenging of fires, I know what I have to do mm -hmm. through the listening. And I'm mm -hmm. like, oh my gosh, for those that yeah. can't hear, whoa, that feels so hard. Yeah, pretty impossible. You know what I see when you're saying that too, is speaking of that rooting, it's like you were rooted in your truth. You were like rooted in the knowing, the gnosis of what you needed to do, yeah. which allowed everything else to be watered and fruited and held in compassion and hope. And a miracle <laughs> and the miracle. Happened. And the miracle. And the miracle. Yeah. Ah, shout out to the miracle. Mm, yeah. Oh my gosh. Mm. So I want to focus now very specifically <laughs> on you and your journey because one of my favorite things in doing these podcasts is I prefer to have people on where I've had a physical touch point in some mm -hmm. capacity mm -hmm. because I know that the soul fam who sits with us in all of these ceremony circles, one of the reasons is it's a place of trust of they know I'm going to bring teachers on who have a lot of integrity, a lot of healthy embodiment. And I feel I can best do that if I have gotten to know that person. And yet there are occasions like you where I really feel, I know your soul, I know your heart, I know your ancient texture. But then on this earthly level, I'm like, oh my gosh, this bio is out of this world. I don't know that I've ever read a bio as fabulous as yours. And the long version one, of course, is too long to read out loud, but I learned so much about you, even though you're my friend. I'm like, oh, didn't know that, didn't know that. I wanna ask her about that. And so just some of, Dr. Cass's titles are Doctor of Integrative Medicine, Board Certified Acupuncturist and Herbalist, Diplomat of Oriental Medicine, my favorite for some reason, Ordained Taoist <laughs> Priest, I don't know why that's like my fave, and uh, Medical Qigong Professor, whoa, and that's just like a few of her many, that's not even all of them. What do I even want to ask with all of that? Let's start with because I learned in your bio kind of where this path mm -hmm, opened yeah. up and I think it would be cool to kind of honor that person. So mm -hmm. yeah, if you could take us through where this gateway opening began for you to know that all of these titles I just shared are a mm -hmm. part of your calling. Yeah, George Reef, yeah, my, my best friend. He's no longer with us in, in body, but in spirit. I am... Um, kind of backs up a little ways and I'll speed it back up. I was a music major at the University of Texas and I wanted to write film scores initially. It was my dream, my goal was the piano prodigy and I skipped two grades and I was in music and dance and choreography and I was really wanting to create more than be in the front on stage performing. I love the creative process, like the, the journey more than the final product. Mm. And I had written a lot of songs and was looking for a producer Back in the days of MySpace, do you remember MySpace? I do, I never, <laughs> I don't think I ever had a MySpace, but I know mm -hmm. what it is, we're the same age. I yeah, know of it. Yeah. Did you have a, a- I had a MySpace page, that was my first endeavor into, I guess what we would call social media now. And so strangely enough, that is how we met. 
Okay. So funny how different parts of the story come out every time I tell it. I think I told the MySpace story at his funeral. <laughs> that was the last time I spoke of it. Wow. Amazing. <laughs> or like it was his wake, actually, not the funeral. So he was recently shifting into becoming a producer. So he was this pretty well-known bass player. He played with the Dixie Chicks and then their project, the Courtyard Hounds and Joe Walsh of the Eagles and Jacob Dylan, Bob Dylan's son and Ray Wiley Hubbard. He just some like local or well-known names that he played bass with and then began producing records for. But I was one, I think it was the second or third record he produced. And so I had these songs. I was pretty young and new, early 20s, 21, 22. And he worked with me for over a year. And then we put these 10 songs together on an album that we put out. But it was during that time that we became friends also. And uh, he started teaching me Qigong and how he uses energy in the studio. And uh, So he was way ahead of his time in some sense. So far ahead. So far ahead. His house was kind of like mine is nowadays. It's kind of like a temple hidden in plain sight in the middle of the city. And bookshelf after bookshelf of Buddhist texts and Taoist texts and really finely cultivated meditation practice. And so he folded that into my life, into music. I started practicing yoga, I started meditating. I'll fast forward, <laughs> maybe like a decade. Uh, <laughs> I, mean, I know, these stories, I'm the there's, same there's way. So, there's so much to say, so we'll have to pick and choose the important ones. So yeah. at 30, I had uh, my younger son, and I probably should have had a blood transfusion, but I didn't. That's just kind of looking at my medical records back in hindsight, you and I became anemic. You gave birth? Yeah, when I gave birth, I had a, um, a C-section and lost quite a bit of blood, but they didn't transfuse me and I'm not really blaming anyone. I just, part of my story is I end up going to medical school. So I go back and look at all of these mm. things now that I know how to read these labs and put together a case history and see what was going on. And during that time when Western medicine was trying to figure out what was wrong, which was truly just an iron deficiency anemia, but just had some major symptoms because I was so deficient. He suggests, well, why don't you try acupuncture and herbs? And I'm like, what's acupuncture and herbs? Mm. <laughs> and so I went to AOMA, the school here, the student clinic, where I, I'm a medical Qigong professor. Now I end up getting my master's and doctorate there. Um, and as fate would have it, the clinical supervisor that day was Dr. William Morris, who was the dean and president of the school a musician, a yogi. So, you know, he feels my pulse and can kind of tell exactly what was going on in my pregnancy where I had like blood heat and it's what was the origin of this blood disorder, you could say, has me make herbs for myself that I'm cooking every day. I see him for a few weeks. I start improving. I have a moment on the table where I'm like, if this really works and nothing else did after all these years, I think I'm going to leave my job as a musician and go back to school and have a new career. Mm. So I do. And talk about the (laughs) listening, even though this is the beginning of your path, you heard that awareness, that that call. That's pretty profound. It's really profound. And these particular people who are mentor teachers that I, that was fate or destiny or I trusted. Yeah. I'm not sure. So George introduced me to Qigong. He introduced me to acupuncture and herbs. I'm in school, like four years into the master's program, I start the doctorate program at the same time. I'm, the, I'm one of the first cohorts, they call it, where the doctoral weeks are and the break weeks of the master's program. So my last year of the master's program, I started the doctoral program. So I overlap them. So I finished school earlier than I might could have. That seems to be a theme in your life. 
Yeah. You skipped what grades? <laughs> skipped. Second and... Second and third. Second yeah, and third you have a good memory. A little jump ahead gal. <laughs> I do that. That's what I mean. Like, time speeds up, slows down sometimes. Yeah. So looking back, it can't be really surprising that I get a phone call from him and something is wrong. He doesn't really know where he is, which is strange. So I'm like, drop a pen wherever you are. You're like, I'll come find you. And mm. Because he'd be on tour with these really big acts, it wasn't uncommon for us to not see each other for months at a time and just meet up for coffee or I'd come sit in on the studio on a session for a few days and just be like a fly on the wall. And he taught me so much about energy where he would determine which tracks we would keep based on which ones gave me goosebumps. So he always mm. liked to do live recordings of everyone together, and which were never perfect. You could always punch in if there were mistakes, though there usually aren't. But it was that level of trust and energy and being moved by spirit wow. that he really taught me to feel in my body, to know if something made me cry. So I get the pen drop, I drive there. It's in a, a not savory part of town. Is this in Texas? Where it is in driving? Texas. Okay. Yeah, it's, it's in Texas. A, a, yeah, you know, everyone has like the yeah. burglar bars up and a little sketchy. Yeah. Not really his speed that I'm aware of. So I remember I, I call a friend at the time and I'm like, tell him what's going on. I'm like, this is the address. If I don't call you back in 10 minutes, call 911 and send the police here. Something isn't right. Mm, yeah. So I walk in and the door's open and he's on the couch and not really making a lot of sense. So wow. my first thought is he had a stroke. So I go get my kit and test him and it's negative And I see all these meds and he's being treated for mold. I call my teachers, like, is it normal to have this neurological deficiency with mold? I call the doctors on the prescription bottles. Can you confirm with me that you're treating him? Are these symptoms okay? And anyway, fast forward again, he ends up at the hospital. They find a brain tumor. Mm. It gets biopsied the next day. Some metastatic lung cancer. So he's never been a smoker. It was like non-smokers lung cancer, mm. possibly because of the mold, or he maybe had cancer and immune system compromised and the mold kind of took over. So it started knows? in the lungs? Started in the lungs, which in Chinese medicine, is all, the lungs and large intestine always related to grief. And so he had lost his dad as a young boy and had never really processed that grief. And so that was the work that we started there was processing the grief. Mm. And yeah, with other members of his family as well, like that really became the work, which he was fully dedicated to. I mean, he's the one that kind of introduced me to right. Chinese medicine, Taoist medicine, Buddhist meditation. I love Qigong. how you two just ushered each other into the places over and over. Over and over to the very, yeah, to the very end. And so I had the honor to be one of the people to walk him home, mm. which was one of the most beautiful and difficult processes of my life, but it very much changed me, you know, in so many ways, putting What's life into perspective. Way? Yeah, that's a great question. So many. Profound love, because we were never really romantically involved, I mean, we both had turns, I think, having crushes on each other and entertaining it, but that was never what we were meant to be. We were able to go so much deeper in friendship, really profoundly deep in friendship. And I think as a caretaker, because I wasn't his romantic partner, I didn't have any expectation of getting anything in return. Mm -hmm. And yet, I remember waking up every morning, every morning for those 11 months before he passed, knowing I was exactly where I was supposed to be. Like I was made for this. Like everything in my life had prepared me mm -hmm. to help walk him home. And I had no inkling that that was gonna be my path. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I think some of the work I enjoy the most now 
is being a death doula is helping be part of that process with the hospice team or however it shows up. Yeah, I'm so fascinated by that work. And to be honest, I'm a little surprised that that hasn't entered my field a bit more. Mm. Like when my grandma, my dear, dear Grammy Bernice, Grammy, <laughs> Grammy. she called me Allie Dally. Love Grammy Bernice. <laughs> when she transitioned like a year and a half ago, almost two years at this point, mm. she was up in Indiana. And so there was timing and like flights and things that needed to be involved. But in hindsight, really quick hindsight, I mean, like <laughs> kind of in real time hindsight, I was understanding why it was more of service for me to be at my altar as she transitioned and I heard her speak mm -hmm. to me right away as opposed to like by her bedside. But mm -hmm. nonetheless, it did evoke for me this curiosity. I was like, oh, wow, because I, I feel like that's a space that I could potentially just hold really good, hearty, stable space for. And as I have friends like you who are death doulas and who have really held that space a number of times, it's just been a pondering I've had of like, mm -hmm. oh, wow, like, I haven't had that experience of sitting next to someone as they cross into the other mm -hmm. realm, as they take their last earth breath. And it brings up a curiosity. And I know that these are mm -hmm. obviously most sacred passageways. So share whatever you feel mm -hmm. compelled to share. But what is one thing that you have witnessed or experienced? Like what, what do you feel? Does the energy in the whole room just clear? What mm -hmm. happens as that soul as that spirit goes to the other realm? I know. This is such a big question. I know. So I can't claim to have the answers for it. <laughs> and um, Speaking only from experience. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and it led me into this. I was doing doctoral rotations in Japan, and so I began sitting in monasteries and seeking out spiritual teachers really to find the answers to the questions you're asking as if I could actually find them. But I did the proverbial travel the world looking for answers to find the proverbial that was always inside right here all along. I can say only what I've witnessed, not to say that this is a grand truth. At MD Anderson, I met a woman there, a chaplain named Hope, who called herself a Jew boo shaman, which I thought was great. It was perfect for what we needed. And uh, she taught me basically at the time of death, like not standing at the feet, holding space and quiet and that and to close the chakras up and that a soul would tend to leave from the heart or from the top of the head mm. and to wait for that before alerting anyone to come touch the body mm. really to hold that sacred to not be at the feet to not be at the feet which different traditions have different beliefs of how the soul the spirit the hon different words moves at those times them there are many traditions that hold a 49-day passage that believe in the bardo. This is much longer to get into right now. <laughs> As the, the soul is transitioning, however you want to speak about it, between realms, between if you believe in reincarnation or not. I mean, these are very personal beliefs I, I don't yeah. want to touch or step on. And I'm holding really just a place of profound openness for all possibilities, sure. even now, yeah, personally, yeah. even now. I have heard, read, I don't know if it's true or not, so please fact check, but I've heard many people say, read in many places, though not a research study, that the bodies can be measured at the moment of death, that the soul has a, um, a, a measurable weight. I mean, that's significant. That's I have found. heard that too. I forgot about that until you just said mm -hmm. that. But yeah, that there's, yeah, there's a shift in the weight of the person right. upon the right. moment. Yeah. 
Like and when the soul exits, correct, there's a shift. Correct. And to speak to your question, ooh, I have goosebumps. It's always spirit being like, yes, for <laughs> me. There is a palpable energetic shift that does feel outside of time. Not like what I was speaking before, this expanding, contracting that we're becoming so aware of, but it's like time stops. Mm. And there's a, it's not fully accurate to use the word portal, but there's some energetic that at birth and death feels like the same portal to me. Mm. And I can't, I haven't found a better word to describe it yet, yeah, but yeah. it does feel, I mean, not to over sensationalize it either, but this really holy, sacred period of time and space that is outside of time. Yeah. That, that, that makes is sense. like everything just slightly shifts on its axis or the little furry or f- yeah. <laughs> what word? I'm saying flurry, F- <laughs> fuzzy, <laughs> fuzzy and vibrating. I guess I got the word flurry there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That, that can last for a while Wow. and a flood of, at least personally, profound peace which feels like just for the smallest moment, mm. like touching the divine. Oh, I just felt touching that. Touching source. And, Oof. Mm-hmm. And it's part of why I truly love, I wouldn't say like I enjoy, like it's f- fun, right? But I love, it's the biggest honor to be in those places for any period of time. And I think what you're doing at your altar is equally sacred and profound and significant because you're aware of the subtle realms, mm-hmm. which that soul is then flooded with awareness of if it wasn't beforehand, which are all the practices that are ultimately preparing us for the moment of death, which is just this blip, right? This life meaning is just this blip. I think equally important Mm -hmm. and sacred. I found myself, particularly after George's passing, hours and hours a day at the altar trying to understand, trying to communicate. It was like my introduction of understanding how these worlds could possibly work again mm. i don't have the answers but much has happened yeah. since then mm. which has really only been like seven years and it seems like 70 in some ways yeah yeah anyway. all that you have stepped into and accomplished and held space for now mm. are a service of and so many different categories before we get into incense which is another title that I actually didn't even have at the list, but it's the main one I actually want to talk about. I just want to personally understand, how did you find out your piano prodigy side of you? How, who, your grandma set you in my front of the piano? My grandma there, my nana. Aww. <laughs> she just, living. She just knew, she is still She's living. She's still living, and my dad's mother. I, yeah, I should ask her. I guess she just knew. So I was around four. I can't remember if it was the Christmas before maybe the Christmas before I turned four or four turning five. My birthday's in February. She brought this um, little toy piano organ tinker situation. I still remember. It's like one of my earlier memories. And all the books that came with, like I just, I learned very quickly, like wow. within a week or two over the break. And it was just so innate in It was you. just there. You didn't need a teacher. I mean, maybe at some point well, you had a teacher. My but. mother, thankfully, she's done a few things for me, which I'm very grateful for, and this was one of them. Like very early on got me a piano teacher, Miss Ott. I remember her. Wow. <laughs> I could name you all my teachers still. Cool. And very strict, but that's what I needed to learn to read music and play. And it was a gift, but it was also like my own personal therapy. Like I could spend hours a day playing and writing. And then I also Mm -hmm. read, (laughs) this is another thing in your bio where I was like, say what? (laughs) This is the 
part of the paragraph music and dance formally composing music and choreographing dances through university majoring Mm -hmm. in music and minoring in theater and dance at the Mm -hmm. university of texas at austin your songs voice and likeness were featured in multiple films Mm -hmm. commercials and tv shows in 2008 (laughs) she released an eponymously titled record and was invited to both sundance films and the Cannes film festival where you appeared on screen in two different films Mm -hmm. that's a whole lot it was a big year it was also the year I got married and had a child. And so Are you I, serious? So, yeah. Yeah, so I made choices that and year. And you were a magician's con- assistant. Yeah, at Esther's Follies. What? Yeah, that happened in college as well, which actually opened the door into the film and television. When I was at Esther's Follies, Miss Congeniality was being filmed here, the first one. Oh, with Sandra Bullock? With Sandra Bullock. And I was a stand-in for Miss Texas, who was this five foot ten redhead. You're in that movie? I'm a stand-in, so I'm not in oh, that movie. Oh, got you. I got you. I might be like as an extra. So it was a stand-in for her, because it was a, a kickboxer. For Sandra? For Miss Texas. Oh, for Miss Texas. No, but then, <laughs> like, what's happening No, but right then, now? I was a stand-in for Candace Bergen, because I was around. So I got to run lines with Sandra Bullock, and... Amazing. Uh, yeah, and then that led to other work like that. Like, I was a stand-in for Julia Roberts during Fireflies in the Garden. She was pregnant at that time, and there was a car wreck scene. So there's this third coast, it's called here. So I did work like that, stand-in, extra work. But it was the point was to get my record in the hands of people in film and television. Because at the time, this was, I don't know, 15 years ago, something like this. Mm-hmm. All those industries were very different. And so that was my plan, was never like to be an actress or a performer, but to get my creations as a part of it. Yeah. It's just so fascinating. One random side note, then we're getting right back to you. Mm-hmm. I have never claimed to look like her, but and I don't think I do as much anymore. But growing up, Sandra's the one that I've heard the most where people, especially like when I was younger and my hair was a bit different or something, I would hear there was like a span of about five years where continuously mm-hmm. people, you know who you look like? And <laughs> sometimes it was Amanda Peet. Sometimes it's a cross mm-hmm. between, because I have a big smile, a cross between Julia Roberts yeah. and Sandra Bullock. I mean, I'm not complaining about any of them, but that made me think of it. I always said, if there's ever a movie made about my life, that Sandy, <laughs> just come on in, Sandy. But you with, both have excellent bone structure. Maybe it is as simple as that. You know, when people say you look like, I just never look in the mirror and see that, but, yeah. but th- this is such a big part of your life. Hi, Soul Fam. If you listened to episode 114 of Ceremony Circle, then you know how deeply connected to and passionate about Kana plant medicine I am. Kana is legal. It is beautiful. It's a heart opener, and it is also known as the happiest plant on the planet. And it is now available to experience in a brand called Ka a tingling, feel-good Kana supplement in both a tincture and chew form. And be sure to use code CEREMONYCIRCLE at checkout to get yourself a community discount. Kana is an empathogenic plant from South Africa that supports us in feeling the fullness of our aliveness, open-heartedness, and calm feelings around everyday stress. Ka chews and tinctures are handmade, they are safe, they are legal, they are non-addictive, and they invite a deeper connection with yourself and others. I have honestly, personally been so blessed to have been working with Kana the last few years, and I can't even put into words the love and joy and reverence it's brought into my life. 
So just head to ohmyka.com. That's ohmyka.com, ohmyka.com. And remember to use the code CEREMONYCIRCLE at checkout so you can get your SoulFam discount. Now back to today's episode. I've sat in incense ceremony with you. I've had some acupuncture with you. I've sat mm-hmm. in tea ceremonies with you, not necessarily, I guess, being the facilitator, but us just sitting together, someone else mm-hmm. has done it. But like, I've been in all these different environments with you. And then I'm like, oh, wow. But then there's all this musicality. Do you still write music like at home randomly? Or? Some. So I have a baby grand piano that my dad bought me when I was 14. He kind of gave up his office in the house to make a music room for me. So oh. that was my path at the time. My son, who's now 14, plays. He's really incredible. Piano? Piano. And guitar and tuba, but he plays piano. So there's definitely piano and singing happening every day. Cool. There's gongs and bowls in the room. Um, most of my... So yeah, I do still play piano. Most of my singing happens more with patience on the table or chanting mantras when I teach yoga, qigong meditation, I'll usually sing a song or two at the end. We can close with that today. I would Maybe love I would that. Sing I was mantra. literally just thinking that. Yeah, and my mind. I'd be happy. I'd be happy to do that. Oh, and you know, something else I was going to mention about the movie film thing that, that crossed my mind that's yeah. kind of topical, interesting. One of the film that went to Sundance was this movie called Baghead that starred Greta Gerwig, who is really well known right now because she's the producer of the Barbie movie. Yeah. And so I auditioned with the Duplass brothers, was who auditioned me, just like a random thing in Austin. Like everything's really blown up. The whole mumblecore thing has become wow huge. Not to say like I'm personal friends with any of them. I'm not. Occasional email, but it's been really interesting to just see this touch point from the past become this beautiful enormous all of them success in their field and that's really what I wanted to be around was just whatever the craft or the art is is people really brilliant and hungry and creating new things Mm. whatever the form is that was what I was always attracted to yeah and still am just wanting to be around it like just being around you and your husband's like it's so exciting to see what's happening oh that's (laughs) sweet i mean i get a kick out of luke and i but it's nice when somebody else says they're getting a kick out of it too yeah like you guys heard in the beginning before we get focused into incense Mm -hmm. you just touched on bringing the chanting and some sacred medicine songs but i would like for you to touch on because i think it's so vitally important this pre sitting in medicine, plant medicine work, and then like post-integrative, like right after you've sat with sacred medicines, maybe not necessarily a plant, but sacred medicines, like mm-hmm. that, the bookend space that you hold, I think is so important, especially if someone is like newer to the spiritual path or has never sat and just like doesn't have maybe that attunement that we were speaking to mm-hmm. before, and it's all new worlds and all new dimensions. To have someone like you who can meet with them, and I don't even know, you're about to tell us exactly what you do, like before they actually have the experience. And then the integration is so, 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 so vital because I'm not trying to go down this rabbit hole. And just an observation that Luke and I have had throughout the years, there's so many people that go into these ceremonial or transformational processes and then 
don't at all implement or truly integrate any of the awarenesses or changes that they're guided to do in the ceremony actually into their lives afterwards. And then there's just like these kind of like ceremony hoppings mm -hmm. from one to the next, but no real change, no real impact actually happens. So I would love for you, because there's probably people listening who would want to have that service of that pre-check-in and post-check-in. Mm. What is that like? Yeah. Hmm. And I'm sure it's different for every person. But do you always do that work? Is it at an actual physical location? Or could someone, mm. if they're in a different state and they're about to sit in their first grandmother medicine ayahuasca ceremony, could mm. they have a Zoom call with you before mm -hmm. and after? Yeah, definitely. So I do quite a bit of video. Some people that come into town to sit with facilitators that will come early or stay later that I work with. Yeah, a few different types of medicine and, and people within our community that will refer to me and I'm happy to speak to, talk to anyone. The prep work and the integration, both equally important, as wonderful as the ceremony and as important as it is, it's, it's just one piece mm -hmm. of that longer marathon of life. Probably the most important part beforehand is the like intention setting or dieta or just being very clear of body, mind, spirit, healthy, prepared, and a clear intention Obviously, the safe set and setting is more a facilitator responsibility, but still showing up for yourself mm -hmm. in that way. The integration piece seems to be what I find is the most lacking overall. I agree with everything that you said. I do have a process. It's kind of a six-week process questionnaire, which I could post somewhere or share with you that people could just have as a free resource of self-inquiry. It's good to work with someone like myself or a coach or a therapist that you're seeing regularly that's like trauma informed um, that would be a good little thing to add on your website it would be yeah, yeah to just and then people can stay in touch with you they yeah i'm yeah, happy to do that email mm -hmm. in and they get that sent to them yeah i'm happy to do that yeah it's m meaning making and you're re revealed sometimes they're very subtle and you really need to spend time contemplating alone in nature meditating finding quiet space to really understand what the messages are that you received. And sometimes they're very terrifying or they're very large or they're very obvious and loud and equally important to spend time like really receiving and not just jumping onto the next thing or shutting it down. Because that message might be uncomfortable. And so probably so. <laughs> and so much can happen, right? It's like individual can be ancestral. I remember when ceremony like for me personally I was like really big on this importance of my word and becoming the medicine. I have these talks I give sometimes that like you are the medicine, mm -hmm. like, like your beingness, the way you move in the world, your presence can be medicine when you're living in integrity and so much more than that. I remember it was, it was really in that space going into this ceremony and it came to me, it was like, and you're also the poison. And I had flooded mm. to me everything I'd ever said or even thought in my whole life that may have caused harm. Like, who ego check. It was really the hardest ceremony Oof. that I've had. And I just like wept and wept and felt the pain of everyone that I'd ever, particularly my words. Like something about this was about my, the words I was choosing, Ooh. which made me really hesitant to speak at all for a while. Right. Um, yeah, I just, I don't know, this, that random example came up just now in my one. mind. Yeah, just for people maybe that are new to or haven't done plant medicine, listening just as an example of what may 
come up. Yeah, because uh-huh. it's so vital to keep both sides of ourselves because we all are shadow and light. Yeah. And so what a profound, I'm um, just curious what medicine ushered that in. Ayahuasca. I felt like <laughs> her. And it was one of the few times she literally came across my field like a snake. It was like in the matrix, you know, where Morpheus, like the room was black and the chairs are like, Zhoo. it was like that. There's nothing in the field and all of a sudden, I don't often see her as a snake. And it was just like, I mean, I, that message just came through and then, oh, powerful. Yeah, very powerful. Wow. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we could tell these stories all day. I but, know. Um, I but, know. But how one chooses to integrate that message, right? There's so many different possibilities. So, and, and, and like really you, important to have someone just ask the right questions. Yeah. Yeah. Not that everyone needs like necessarily the word accountability, but some people might need accountability if they know, Mm -hmm. if you know you're the type of person that flees from discomfort or distracts wildly from a feeling or a a pattern that's been persisting. And then like, you know, it's at a rival point and and you know about yourself that you have these tendencies Mm -hmm. to want to shift from the change that you know you need to make. Like, yeah, having someone like Cass could be invaluable like a safe Mm -hmm. accountable space and like for you part of your integration was that pausing and getting more quiet and not speaking as much for a while and attuning Mm -hmm. to like growing awareness of your expressions i'm sure you became more aware of your own thoughts at that time right and projecting my thoughts and beliefs onto others and meeting learning to meet people where they were and i started working with a coach really on this even in the realm of integral theory and spiral dynamics and ifs like internal family system and parts work to really mostly listen and see where people are and choose language that meets them where they are and like not speaking here or here Mm. and but really and I'm still learning this and probably will the rest of this life, learning to ask good questions, which you have probably mastered as a podcast host or in the process of mastering. But it's, it's a skill to to learn, to mm. ask the right question, to ask them in the right way mm. that aren't necessarily leading that. Invite someone to find the answers for themselves. Even if you think you already know the answer, you don't right. tell them, oh, this is what's going on. You need to do that. That isn't really helpful. Totally. People don't want to be judged and hear that and that's just me projecting where I'm at in life. Mm-hmm. And it's not as empowering for them. Not like at you all. give them that space to access for themselves. Yes, thank you. Exactly. Empowering. And so even this idea of healer, I tried to shy away from the word because really it's about empowering me to heal myself, you to heal yourself, you to heal yourself, and shining a light on that. Like the body has its own innate wisdom to heal itself mm-hmm. and in some time i mean we're also meant to live in community not alone so we also need each other to rely on each other but a, a really wise inquiry can change your life yes and yeah. i thank you for bringing that up. i post a lot of these things on my instagram where the theme and i even put it on the graphic is shamanic pondering shamanic pondering of the day and it's just a question and like those never get good engagement there's usually like <laughs> 10 comments, you know, a handful of likes, but like they're bombs every time, but I still post them because 
I know somebody's reading those and somebody might not hit the comment or hit the mm-hmm. like button, but it could, that one pondering mm-hmm. can literally change, change the course it. of your life. Yes. So I'm going to keep oh. posting my shamanic ponderings of the day. Yes. Yes. Uh, so oh. now that you mm-hmm. all know that Cass offers that work and we'll, of course, like we always do, put everything in the show notes for how you can reach out to her and we'll have her explain that at the end, but just bookmark that, make a, a little mm-hmm. awareness to yourself that if you're ever called or maybe you're currently called into sitting with certain medicines, whether that's a ketamine journey or grandfather medicine, peyote, whatever it is, know that she can do that pre and post Mm -hmm. space sitting work with you, which is really important. And so just for time, I would love for us to shift into the incense part of your work because together had such a profound talk about life-changing experience where to begin oh my god because oh okay I'm gonna track where and for the people that have heard in another previous episode where I'm like I had a near-death experience I don't have time to get into the details I'm gonna do it again I just don't one of these episodes where I can like really give it a full honoring space I'll tell that story in more detail but within me having that experience that involved lightning medicine, it involved electrical, electrocution, energetics. And in that, it was such a huge journey. But it one of the things that it provided, on an earthly level, there were some real conversations that were had, some real accountability that was enforced from on my end. And like, all those things were thoroughly processed through earth level. On a shamanic metaphysical level, It one of the places it took me was back to, I, w- I was a tiny baby and I had smoke inhalation. You know, our fireplace was put on in the home and the flutes to the fireplace just weren't open and our house flooded with smoke. My lungs as a tiny little five week old newborn flooded with smoke and long story short, I was taken to the hospital. Oh my God, there's so many pieces I have to skip over for today's time purposes, including being taken to the doctor and having to advocate for myself because the doctor wasn't believing anything was wrong. And as he was ushering us out the door, I mustered with the last bit of life force in me, this garbled, like, this like cough. And he was like, was that her? And my mom's like, yes, I'm telling you. And he's like, take her to the emergency room right away. And I ended up being super, super sick with this Mm. severe pneumonia being put into this incubator and all of this happening. And (laughs) in the midst of me connecting all of these dots, doing all this deep work, there was an invitation to go to a tea and incense ceremony. And it's really far from here. (laughs) And I don't do well driving on interstates anymore. It's just a thing Mm. I've come to accept. My comfort level, I don't feel comfortable going over 50 or 55 miles an hour anymore in my car. Mm -hmm. So going into the city and on those big overpasses, it's really, it's a lot for me. But I knew I was supposed to go over there, mainly because Cass Mm -hmm. was going to be facilitating the incense part. And I just knew there was a call that I needed Mm -hmm. to attend. I was like, oh gosh, I'm going to have to make this drive. And it was when... We sat, it was my first time sitting with Cass for an incense um, ceremony, and I had the biggest life-changing realizations. It was a small group of us. As the first sensor that had the first incense was being passed to me, when it got handed to me, and then there's a whole protocol and way that you 
sit with this, receive this, hold the sensor, mm-hmm. all the things. But when the first waft of the smoke went into me, I just was blasted open into this shamanic journey and awareness that this was my, how did I explain it? I can't think of the word right now, but I was able to like re-pattern. Yeah, yeah, re-pattern works. I was thinking alchemize. Alchemize too. Mm -hmm. Alchemize and re-pattern breathing in smoke, but in a medicinal way not receiving Mm. smoke in a way that, of course, everything is serving its purpose, but not receiving in a way that sends you to the emergency room and put it into an incubator, learning how, because all the incense that Cass makes and serves is medicinal, true medicine. It's not like some of the janky incense that you get that's actually pollutants in your home. Like Mm. this is true medicine. Mm. And so I was able to alchemize and reprogram and repattern that whole newborn experience. And it just, oh my God. I mean, the tears had the hugs, the, even Mm. you, even the group saying like, we hear you, we believe you. Mm. Like just, there was a major breakthroughs that happen Mm -hmm. in that instant ceremony. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to let you take it from here, but I wanted to give that context because this is some of the work that you provide. So all things incense. (laughs) All things incense. (laughs) Yeah, thank you for that. It was profound for me to witness that with you. And because you, your house burnt down when we had this understanding of smoke and fire together. Right, when I was a young girl and I had... Okay, one more small story before the incense, I suppose. Yeah, that was like an example of like a a triad, a triangle of healing outside of time. So like the house had caught on fire. My memory was being down the street without my nightgown on. And that's all the memory I had. And then I did this noetic healing over time where I was in meditation observing what happened. I was 40 at the time with of this healing and I was four during the fire and 40 year old Cass and I went by Cassie when I was little was was watching four-year-old Cassie and would be like feel the door it was hot too hot to touch and it was getting hot so Cass took off Cassie's nightgown to stuff it under the door the window was too high I couldn't get out so cat 40 year old Cass got a chair broke the window and lifted four year old Cassie up out of the window I have chills again right Me now it's me running down the road and it, it took about an hour because those would come in pieces and I would disassociate and I remember at the moment where I had broken the window and saw myself and experienced myself running down the road because it was like a witness experience at the same time yeah but also this like witness consciousness like a third of the whole thing. I remember I opened my eyes and I was like, is that what really happened? And when I heard this voice, it was like, how could it be any other way? And it was another time I think I went mute for a few days. Like, how do I even process, integrate this reality that this happened? And what a gift because I saved myself. Yes. And boom. Yeah. And that, that was it. That was it. Mic drop. That's boom. the mic drop. Yeah. So we have when you get to that place in the healing threads, that's the mic drop. Yeah, you can never go back. And then it's like, wow, the possibilities are truly boundless and endless of what you know, and then you're like, what else? What else is there? What else is there to learn? What else is out there? Um, So we had this bond over smoke smoke trauma. (laughs) Smoke and fire. We're like, what do we do with this? Yeah, so there's, we could have an episode just on the smoke and fire. So many other things flooding in. 
I'll stay on point because I know our time is uh, precious and ending here. Through my friend George, who was always burning incense in the house. That was kind of my introduction really through him. He had this whole cabinet full that every time I went over, I'd get to pick this special, very fine incense from Japan from all his tours there that would burn. So I think that had initiated my love and association with art and music and connection and sacred space and refinement and elegance and grace and these mm. kind of ideals. In my travels to Japan town and San Francisco, just getting online, collecting them as an HSP, being very sensitive to clean smells, but also in the same way, like sommeliers and foodies can taste all the different parts of their palate and their tongue flavors. I'm able to smell all of these different layers and top notes and base notes, which I think you are too. We'll refine it over time to give it words and names. Mm. And that's part of why you love it as well. And it's something you can learn more about but you can also just appreciate you don't have to know all the things about wine to enjoy wine or coffee or whatever it may be yeah, you might just know that you like what you like yeah, i like what i like and yeah. it tastes good it feels good the end that's great that's plenty that's enough right and then if you study herbs or olfactory or essential oils or just know some basic properties of how they can affect you medicinally there's a lot of research I have actually found out there, though most of it also an ancient text of using these herbs, these foods, these medicines in smoke or as incense to an altar. So in many traditions, the smoke lifts up our prayers to mm-hmm. the heavens, many, many different traditions. So that's also an aspect yeah. of it. And it's, that's what I did in that fire pit this morning. I, I did put a piece of cedar in and I sprinkled the lavender okay. on the cedar. Mm-hmm. And then I put my message to honor the maiden and cross to motherhood. Mm-hmm. Like that was all together yes. to send those prayers up. Yeah, so perfect. For, yeah. It's perfect. I honor <laughs> that. I love seeing your work in that realm and that. Yeah. Yeah. Send those prayers oh. up. Yes. So many. And there's certain messengers that are just known, like we know cedar is a very potent carrier of prayer. And just right. like with everything you're talking about, they all have their different services. They do. And so aloes wood was really potent for you that particular morning. And aloes wood being one of oud, eagles wood, it has a few different names, one of the most expensive. Uh, and it's not, it can be cultivated, but it doesn't have the same energetic and medicinal properties. It's created by the tree being struck with lightning. Huh. Imagine that. <laughs> Coincidence? Right. I think not. Mm-hmm. Yes. So this was what, what for you and I was like, thunder magic. Pow. This is significant here. We need to dive deeper in this together, which is part of why I'm here with you this morning. So all things incense. So right now I'm just calling it the Herbal Incense Project. Herbal um, Incense Project. That's hip. I thought of that about five minutes before I walked in your door. Are you serious? <laughs> yeah. It's like a temporary name until I figure out what I'm going to call my incense line. Great. But it's kind of fun, right? Yeah, hip. Well, I wrote a grant proposal yesterday and they needed a title and that was like Herbal Incense Project. And it wasn't until this morning I was like, oh, hip. That's H-I-P. That's fun right now anyway until yeah. I find some like beautiful names. So the idea as this kind of finalizes in the next few months and it gets ready to launch, maybe I'll have it ready by the time this is out, is as a Chinese like medicine doctor and herbalist, I combine different herbs individually for people that you can take as a tincture, you can take as a powder that you drink in tea. Maybe it's the raw herbs that you boil in water and drink as a tea. But those same herbs, if I'm going to grind them in a powder, then I can use, we use sesame oil in Taoist medicine, so it's clean burning, no mako, no filler, just the herbs. Whether it's in a stick or a cone or whatever form, I choose to make them and offer them to also be used literally medicinally, olfactorily. And there's actually a lot of research that I'm hoping to contribute to more of it that's modern for healing. And so I'll give you two examples really easily is one is chai. 
So the same, they're foods, the same foods that you would use to make chai smell really lovely. So cinnamon, cardamom, ginger, clove. Just, I would love that. So I was going to start with this because it's like in the kitchen. It's easy to teach people how to do even to workshop it, to create something online. So it's not just a product I'm selling, but it's something that people can get hands on and create for themselves. Cool. It's actually really simple and beautiful. Incense course. An incense course. The other one I think is really beautiful is, fact check this, <laughs> and I know I'm not even really sure where I've looked extensively trying to find proof, I guess you could say, but it's a biblical story. So the three magi, wise men brought to Mary when giving birth to Jesus, frankincense, myrrh, and gold. But it's widely thought that that gold was actually turmeric to help with the inflammation post-childbirth. And so, as you know, these things smell divine. Mm. And so we can burn the resins, but you can also, in a grinder, mortar and pestle, grind the frankincense, myrrh, turmeric, into incense. And so it smells lovely, but you could also ingest it. And it's just a deeper layer and another level of medicine. So it doesn't have yeah. to be physical medicine. I cannot, you know, aloes wood, pure aloes wood is the most highly regarded, fine, expensive, the way you would use in a temple, some of what we've used. Mm-hmm. Um, I also am making wanting to offer that. That's not necessarily something you would consume. That's more something in the altar that you would place. Right, right. I mean, right. as a lover of ritual, I like that, but you could also just use it to make your house smell lovely because yeah. you like that smell. And so this is kind of where I'm at with the project. And then during my ordination into Taoism, one of the things that we were taught is how to make incense in the Taoist way. And so there's a lot with the numbers 7, 9, 49. So how many times you would stir it, how many times you would shake it. There's a particular incantation you say over and the talisman that makes it medicine. I don't think these things are incredibly widely known. And I want to be careful to do that in a way that honors my teachers and the lineage, which is parting clouds, which is also a beautiful mm. imagery with this Kwanjin Longman sect, uh, Dragon Gate, Complete Reality School of Taoism. These are a lot of words that maybe we don't know in the West yet, but it's coming. (laughs) 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 It's coming. Um, That was a sentence. It's a lot. (laughs) A lot of syllables. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so that was like as as quickly as I could, most things in sense. I mean, I'm just so pumped up about (laughs) all of this because I mean... I just, like I shared a dollop of my already life-changing experience with it. And I've always been, yeah, I'm very scent and smell-oriented and sensitive and I've worked with incense for years, but I'm at a place now where I'm having a whole different experience and understanding of them. And so to know that it's possible to work with you to literally have you create an incense recipe that's catered just for me, Mm -hmm. catered just for you, depending upon if you have insomnia, if you're whatever you might be experiencing, like Dr. Cass can literally make you a curated, like a couture incense that's that's just for you, your life, where you're currently at, Mm -hmm. what type of evolutionary healing, whatever you need. I mean, that to me is mind blowing and I geek out on it so much. And what was so trippy about my experience is so in the ceremony, and I feel like down the road, we will inevitably devote an entire episode to the ceremony. Maybe we can even film because it's such a beautiful, intentional, like the steps to the incense ceremony 
it's a, I mean, it's a true, pure, ancient ritual. There's a lot to it. Um, I'm like looking at all the tools. I, because of Cass, I've bought like my own incense ceremony kits and things. And we've sat up here before and had a whole afternoon of it. I'm um, just learning. It's so, so beautiful. But in round, I think three potentially of getting the sensor passed, there was a different incense. And when I took my first inhalation of the third incense, I was like writhing and coming out of my body in the most like jubilant, joyous way, like the life force, like I'm talking instantaneously through the second that waft entered my olfactory senses, I was like, <laughs> and Cass, she's like, holding such beautiful space typically has her eyes closed and she I was sitting directly across from her she opens her eyes and I'm like signaling to her like I'm about to lose it because I was on the verge of hysterical laughter and I was like what is happening to me and so we kind of just giggled for a second silently and I tried to compose myself to not disrupt the group but once we were done I was like what was number three because that one is for me kid you not can't make this stuff up mm -hmm. she's like oh it was this one i really feel like i'm supposed to gift it to you and it's this beautiful like japanese little wooden box with these little thick incense sticks in it and on the way home after we left the ceremony my intuition was like read the ingredients research i turned the box over there's like literally only three or four ingredients in it but mm -hmm. borneo camphor mm -hmm. i googled mm -hmm. it you guys, it's for the lungs and for the respiratory. And it like brings, I mean, when you think about respiratory lungs, breathing, new life force, like everything just in that one second when I Googled what are the healing properties of Borneo camphor, I was like, you've got to be kidding me. So I texted her right away. I was like, it's for lungs, it's for respiratory. No wonder that was the one that was just like the medicine for yeah, me that the day. Medicine. So exactly. this is what we're talking about mm -hmm. here. And so I'm so excited yeah. that you're going to have your own line and can bring this more into the world, but more to come. Yeah. And what's your website? DrCass.com, spelled out D-O-C-T-O-R-C-A-S-S.com. Okay, spell out the doctor, mm -hmm. DrCass.com. The other side sells THC, which is lovely, but that's not me. Oh, so funny. you definitely want to spell it out. So there's a different Dr. Cass that's there involved is. with THC. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. that's not ours. Ours <laughs> is all the other things that I've yeah. listed. Yeah, there's so many different ways you can work with her. You don't have to live here in the Austin area. Mm -hmm. But if you do, you can do the Qigong with you at Kuya mm -hmm. and all, different places. Like you do all mm -hmm. sorts of things. Yeah, there'll be workshops every week, an online class that I'm starting in two weeks. Yeah, I have a private practice. You're so many welcome things. Welcome to, yeah. So many Acupuncture. Mm -hmm. Oh my goodness. So yeah, just, yeah, take a minute to peruse her website. What's your Instagram? Dr. Cass with a, a dot in between the two words. Dr. Dr. Cass. Cass. Mm -hmm. Of course, in the show notes, as always, mm -hmm. is there a brief chant or a little medicine song or ah, any expression to close? Sure. Would Great. you add chant or a prayer? What do you prefer? Oh, gosh, that's a tough, <laughs> tough choice. I just, I love chanting so okay. much. Okay. I'm going to sing the, the loka samasta. Mm. <clears throat> Loka Samasta Sukino Bavantu 
of our mind, the words from our lips, the meditations of our heart, and the actions that pour without. May they be a blessing to ourselves as well as to each other. May we each come to know our radiant true nature of boundless peace and boundless love. Thank you so much. And so it is. Thank so you. Is. That entire chant, total heart medicine. I mean, like straight to the heart. My whole heart center and heart chakra was just like, whoa, 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 whoa. what did you say? Flurries? It was flurrying. I was having heart flurries <laughs> in a very medicinal way. Like, I mean, so clearly and profoundly, like straight to the heart on that one. Beautiful. That's all of the list of credentials and studies and degrees and license, all the things. You can erase all of it. And it's all about just centering an unconditional love in the heart. That's oh. the magic, that's the medicine. That's really all there is. You could erase all of that. Just the heart, just love. That's it. Heart flurries. Perfect place <laughs> to end on. So grateful. Thank you. I knew this would be a vibe, and mm -hmm. it is. So thank you for taking the time to come over. Thank you for being my friend. Thank you for rubbing my feet last week when I was in the midst of the fires. Yeah, just thank you for your devotion and your integrity and your pure heart. I'm so grateful you're in my life. Me too. I love you, Allison. I love you too, Cass. Mm. And thank you, Soul Fam, for joining with us. What a wonderful ride this was. And we will sit together again next time. Bye-bye. Woo-wee, what a powerful voyage that was. It is always so fun and such an honor to share space with these beautiful beings willing to generously share their time, wisdom, and energy so we can have the opportunity to enrich our own lives. And we will always share each epic guest's links and contact info in the show notes that are on my website, alisoncharles.com, and also in my weekly Ceremony Circle podcast Instagram posts at I am Allison Charles, so it makes it easy for you to connect more deeply with them. And fam, you know by now all the heart I put into creating this show. And I would love to be able to continue providing this free content for a long, long time to come. And what would be most supportive in me being able to do that is if you have ever felt you've gained anything positive at all from listening to a Ceremony Circle podcast episode, if it's brightened your day, if it's given you clarity or insights you've been waiting for, if you felt a healing shift during one of the closing ceremony practices, anything at all, if you can just stay on whatever platform you're now listening to this show and simply go to the rating and review section and share even one reason why you're grateful for Ceremony Circle Podcast. Sacred reciprocity is a big deal and I deeply appreciate you giving back to me so I can keep creating and providing. Sending you so much love. 
This podcast is for information and entertainment purposes only, and my intention is not to provide medical advice or diagnosis. You should always consult a health professional before making drastic changes to your diet or lifestyle.